I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, Please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Next Move Group. We are Jobs Podcast. My name is Gabby Moley, CEO of Next Move Group, and this week our guest is Ashley Harden. Ashley is the Economic Development Administrator for the city of Perry, Georgia. Ashley, welcome to our show. Thanks for having me, Gabby. Awesome. Well, tell the listeners a little bit about Perry, Georgia, and some of y'all's recent successes there. Sure. Well, Perry is in the middle of the state. We're 25 miles south of Macon and about 90 minutes south of the Atlanta airport. So right off I-75, we have four interstate interchanges. So if anybody's driving from Canada to Florida, they'll drive through Perry, Georgia. So our population's growing. We're at 21,000. Our city issued over 500 new single family building permits in 2021. So we're definitely on the map and on people's radar. We have great schools. So people wanna live here, great quality of life industries want to locate here because of our warm climate you know and everybody had snow this last weekend up in you know Tennessee and Kansas City and the Midwest we enjoyed a chilly 47 degrees and rainy so (laughs) winter for us in Georgia but our city tagline is where Georgia comes together and that's both literally because we're in the middle of the state but it's also because we're home to the Georgia National Fairgrounds and Agri Center And this is a 1,200-acre state facility that was built as a fairgrounds. It was actually the only fairgrounds in the U.S. that was built to be a fairgrounds. And it's been here for 32 years. And we have over 500,000 that come annually for our state fair over an 11-day period in October. And then throughout the year, they have rodeos and other events, uh, dog shows, big shows, youth national or international rodeo championships. And so over a million visitors come to the fairgrounds from all over the world annually. So that leads into a recent win. We have a convention center there with 65,000 square feet. And we don't have a hotel that ties into the convention center. So we recognize that we're missing other conferences and opportunities that we could house a convention here in Perry. So 
a couple years ago, the executive director of the fairgrounds, Stephen Shemp, asked me for help. So the second RFP had gone out. Since it is a state property, they wanted somebody to lease the land for 99 years and construct a hotel. And I learned very quickly that a lot of developers weren't interested, you know, developers that do hotels all over the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so we identified some developers, LNW Hospitality Group, which has since rebranded to retreat hotels and resorts. And they're out of Jekyll Island. They have the Jekyll Island Club, Ocean Club. They just opened a dual Ramada property earlier this year. And so I found them and they were used to the state land lease process out on Jekyll Island. So we identified them, cold called him on LinkedIn, JJ Singh <laughs> out of Arlington, Virginia. And fast forward two and a half years, they signed the contract last July awesome. uh, to construct a hotel on the fairgrounds that will actually tie into the convention center. And um, just in the last six weeks or so, they did announce that it's a dual property Marriott brand. It'll be a town place suites Marriott with a shared mm-hmm. lobby and a Fairfield by Marriott on the other side. And they're awesome. going to have a full restaurant and bar as well. So oh, that's um, going to be a, a real hot commodity then. <laughs> exactly. So we're very excited about that. It was emotional because it was, you know, COVID delayed it. And mm-hmm. after, you know, two years from the RFP going out for them signing the contract and, you know, mm-hmm. we haven't broken ground yet. So it's still going to be a little while until it opens, but it is moving forward. So we're excited about that. That's really great. Wow. Just from a LinkedIn cold call. I mean, that's impressive. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, Ashley, we noticed that you have the only historic downtown in uh, Houston County. Can you tell us a little bit about your downtown and, you know, how it's changed since you started working in Perry? Absolutely. So you are correct. I live in Houston County, which looks like Houston, <laughs> uh, but it's pronounced Houston. And we just celebrated our 200th birthday of the county this year. But Perry has the only historic downtown in our county. And there's two other cities in our county. We have Warner Robins Air Force Base north of us. And then there's a little city called Centerville near there. But when I got here, downtown was thriving. We have a 900 block of Carroll Street that has a lot of boutiques and shops. And we just had a couple of restaurants. And we had a 30% vacancy rate. Fast forward three years, we were able to utilize gap financing we did six loans for a couple of different businesses to really uh, trigger investment, especially when the bank said, no, you can't buy this property and redevelop it until you get that gap financing. So we engaged our downtown development authority and we have a brand new news theater that opened this year. That's an event venue that seats 675, uh, that has crystals, chandeliers throughout. Our chamber annual meeting is going to be there on Thursday. And it's a beautiful space that has a capacity of 675. We also have a multi-million dollar restaurant under construction for redevelopment. Where our previous restaurant was downtown, they're putting two apartments upstairs and it's called Orleans on Carroll. These developers are doing it correctly and they want it to be the number one restaurant between Atlanta and Orlando. So that is scheduled to open in April. We did have COVID delays with that. But our vacancy rate has gone from 30% to 2% in three years. Wow, that's amazing. We have nightlife now, more restaurants, and even more activity and interest in our downtown. That's really cool. So that Orleans on Carroll restaurant, are they going to have New Orleans-inspired food? or <laughs> They are, and they hired a chef, John. He came from New Orleans. He moved to Perry about a year ago. Mm-hmm. He's a graduate of the Culinary Institute of America. They have an Orleans on Wheels food truck. Orleans on Carroll 
is scheduled to open in April. We had delays due to COVID. The developers are putting two apartments upstairs and the restaurant will have event space. The developers have restaurant experience with Popeye's and Wendy's franchises for over 30 years. So they actually didn't need help with the gap financing for this project. The restaurant will have two outdoor waterfalls and outdoor dining and gazebos. And they really want it to feel like you're in New Orleans when you eat there. So you'll have to come visit Gabby. And <laughs> it's just as good as the real deal. Yes, I will. <laughs> That's awesome. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners and be right back right after this. I want to thank LocationOne.com. Some of you know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. In my opinion, Lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my buildings and sites on the Kentucky Economic Development Buildings and Sites database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what sense did it make for me to not put my buildings and sites on a nationwide database? Well, Lois does that for you. Looking back, I should have put my buildings and sites on Lois. It's also easy to use for an economic developer. It's just like using Facebook. It walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth. And the thing I like most it works well on my iPad. If I'm in an industrial building, I want to be able to look at that thing on my iPad. Lois does that for me. Other buildings and sites databases struggle with that. So if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare, go over to location1.com, book yourself a demo, and see if this can help your community have more success. All right, well, take us back a little while ago and how you discovered this field of economic development. Absolutely. Well, I moved to Nashville to attend Belmont University. And like so many folks that moved to Middle Tennessee, we end up staying. And once I graduated college, I was an English major and I had a PR and journalism minor and I didn't want to teach. So I was a weekly reporter in Spring Hill, Tennessee, which is 35 miles south of Nashville. Not minutes. It used to be minutes, but traffic is so bad there now, but um, <laughs> it takes more than 35 minutes to get from anywhere in Nashville now. So I was a weekly beat reporter and Spring Hill grew very quickly. We grew from 5,000 to 35,000 in less than a decade. So I was covering city government. I was covering the business community. Our planning commission meetings would go till midnight, 1 a.m. I learned what NIMBY people were. Um, <laughs> I'd never heard that term before. And I saw, I saw the, all of them come out in waves once the apartment complexes and more commercial developments came online. And because of that and my relationship with the business community, I was then hired after a few years by the chamber to be a chamber director for the Spring Hill Chamber of Commerce. And I loved that job. And at that job, I was doing economic development and didn't even realize it. And <laughs> it was a one-woman show and I was doing BRE and site location assistance. <laughs> and then my husband and I got married, had a six-week engagement and moved to Kansas City. Wow. So a new name and a... A new community and I worked in a private sector sales for a physical therapy company. I made him too busy. He grew 600% in six months. <laughs> um, he got too busy and all good problems. <laughs> closed the office. Oh, wow. <laughs> Our office was on the second story of an office building with no signage. So that was a good sales win for me. <laughs> and then I worked for a public accounting firm 
learning state tax incentives and tax credits. And then got into economic development at Leavenworth County Development Corporation. I worked for Steve Jack, who was the executive director there for 15 years, and he just retired last December. So I was fortunate to go back in December to his retirement party. And that really got me, you know, honed in on the field where I went through the OUEDI courses and became certified about a year and a half ago in October. Awesome. Awesome. We found that a lot of economic developers got their start in media and journalism. That writing background helps so much with proposals, with Mm -hmm. emails, with everything we do on a daily basis. I love that I have that writing background and the research component as well. And we're researching, you know, putting electric vehicle charging stations Mm -hmm. in our community and researching broadband. It's just definitely been a tool that I've utilized Mm-hmm. Um, this whole time in my career. I definitely get that. I majored in public relations, so not journalism, but very similar. We work with a lot of journalists, so I, <laughs> I definitely understand the writing and finding the stories and all that kind of stuff, so I definitely get that. Well, flashbacks when you were 10 years old. What did you want to be when you grew up? Did you want to be an economic developer when you were 10 years no, old? I didn't know what an economic developer was when I was 10. I lived in Lexington, Kentucky at the time, and my father went to UK med school. I never wanted to be something when I grew up. I knew I was going to, you know, go to high school and go to college. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I found that I was a stronger writer than I was at accounting and math. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I kind of fell into the journalism field and then, you know, really grew and developed and have worked hard to get to where I am in my career today in Perry. Mm-hmm. I definitely get that. I never really wanted to do anything either. We always had that, you know, whenever you were kids and you would write down, oh, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I never really knew, but I just knew I didn't like math. And that's <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So who would you say would be the biggest influence on your career so far? For economic development, it was Steve Jack, who was a mentor and just a great leader. He didn't micromanage us but he was always available when we needed help. And we truly were like a family there at Livermore County Development. Awesome. I feel like everywhere in this field, you know, for the most part, once you get a good network of people that you enjoy working with and, you know, when you're in a community that is pro-growth, that makes our jobs a whole lot easier. <laughs> we do have a great support of our mayor and council here. You know, they recognize the growth that we're seeing and we had over 500 new single family building permits issued last year. And we are seeing the new commercial growth coming online with that. So being off I-75, we are getting the chain restaurants, but we're also getting the local unique flavors to our downtown area as well. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners and be right back right after this. Hello, everyone. Gabby Molise here to highlight this week's Executive Search Spotlight. This week, we're going to spotlight the Hines County, Mississippi Economic Development Authority and their search for a new executive director. Hines County, Mississippi is located in the center of the southeast and within 500 miles of approximately 39% of the nation's population and total personal income. It is located right in the middle of Dallas and Atlanta. The Hines County Economic Development Authority is located in Jackson, Mississippi, which is not only the capital Mississippi, but considered the city with soul and of blues music. Hines County has three industrial parks, great hospitals, and access to great higher education. The executive director will oversee the day-to-day operations of the Hines County EDA. To learn more, visit thenextmovegroup.com backslash Hines or contact Brittany McCoy with the Next Move Group with any questions. 
we interview a lot of economic developers on this podcast that are very successful and they all have different daily habits that make them successful. Some wake up really early in the morning, get all their work done. Some work on the weekend, some work really late at night with a cocktail. What would you say are some of your few daily habits that you think make you successful? I'm trying to always develop and learn. So my hobbies, I don't watch a lot of TV. There's a weekly publication called The Week that has fun facts and stories and news from all around the world. It's expensive and it comes every Saturday unless our mail's late. Sometimes I don't get it till Tuesdays. <laughs> um, it's a publication that I just really love reading the paper version. They have an online one also, but I like reading paper books and paper magazines and paper newspapers um, just so that I can learn industry trends and just what's going on in the world that you don't see on your local or national news even. Awesome. You don't really hear about many people uh, reading paper books or <laughs> paper newspaper anymore. <laughs> Everyone's moved on to the whole digital world now lately. I try to read at least two books to my little girls every night. That family time's important. And for me, coming to work is my break. So, you know, when economic developers with small children get off work, they're not off work yet. You know, my day doesn't end till nine o'clock at night. Definitely. Definitely. Well, we have a lot of young listeners listen to the podcast. So what would you say is the best piece of advice that you received in the industry? If you like changing the lives of people and impacting the lives of people that you'll never meet, and it's tough to get there and it's tough, you know, not every project is a win, you know, until that property closes, those pending purchase contracts <laughs> fall through <laughs> quite often. But if you enjoyed that and having every day being different and working with people, then being an economic developer, because we are changing lives of people that we'll never meet. And if you enjoy that and keep doing what we're doing in this field, and then the other piece is to listen. And that's where the journalism comes in too. When you're writing, you know, 10 stories a week and you spend all day listening to people's stories. I think that really comes into play when you know, we're working with developers and we're working with realtors and we're working with, you know, a small business that says, I need help. And we ask, how can we help you? And, you know, they need to expand, they need to grow and they come to us for assistance. Or, you know, they call me at 5.30 on a Friday, Ashley, I need help. Or I want your opinion on this. What do you think about this redevelopment? I'm thinking about buying this property and making it more utilized. I mean, if we're there to listen, then I think it makes us better at our jobs because we can then identify a tailored need for that business and help them how to get to yes. Definitely. Awesome. Well, Ashley, is there anything else that you'd like to mention to the listeners that you didn't get a chance to yet? No, just that it's been fun to watch you develop in this role in your career. And I just wanted to congratulate you on your new role. And I appreciate you inviting me as this weekly podcast speaker. Awesome. Thanks, Ashley. Well, tell the listeners the way to reach you. As always, I'm on LinkedIn at Ashley Harden, or I can be reached at ashley.harden at perry-ga.gov, or send me a text, 478-508-1384. Awesome. Well, Ashley, thanks for being on our show. Thank you, Gabby.